So now, oh, there goes Les from uh, Model Railroad Hobbyist walking by, looking for customers. Bye, Les. We're, we're sorry, Les. No, no autographs, no photos. Keep moving. All right, I'm here now with David Leobach. Is that, is, am I saying it right? Is it David? David Lelbach. That's right. Lelbach. Yep. Is it Lel or Leo? Lel. 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 Lelbach. Lelbach. I can say that. That actually makes more sense. Yeah. Lelbach. Just go fast. <laughs> It'll it's work. like Toronto. Right, Toronto. Yeah, exactly. All right, so you, I came here yesterday morning around 11 o'clock just for, to give <laughs> yeah. you trouble, shits yep. and giggles, and I said, oh, okay, you ready for your interview? And the place was, there was three of you going, and it was like swamped. Yeah, it's been uh, quite a good show. As usual, Springfield delivers. It's uh, a good crowd at this show and a lot of excited people that are excited about the hobby or just seeing what's new and um, it's just really refreshing to, you know, come to a great show. So like you got like it seems like this show to me this year seemed busier than other years. I don't know, this show seems to be consistent, I think is the word I would use. Um, you know, some years at some shows you have like a football game in the way or something else that kind of slows down the pace or the ability of people to get to the show, like snow event or right. something. But this show is just consistent every year, and I think that's the, the best part of it. Oh, look, somebody's taking our picture Somebody right is now. taking our picture. Yeah, exactly. You are a celebrity. No, you, they're taking your picture. No, actually, I think they're I, taking no, yours. No, I think it's yours. Mm. Everybody wants to take your picture. No. Um, crazy. Like, I, it was crazy watching, standing back, watching. You guys were just couldn't keep up with the the rush. It was wild. Yeah, we um, yeah we uh, have a great time, you know, talking to people about the cars and now the cabooses of Tangents Line. And, uh, you know, we're just really passionate about the equipment here. And, uh, you know, the customers that are also passionate about that sort of exact thing come up and do the same. So... Yeah, these bigger boxes now, these are the cabooses? Correct, yeah. We have a new box for the caboose that uh, is kind of inspired by, you know, the old Overland Models caboose boxes. Yeah. It's kind of where I was going there. I like that. I like that. I really like that. You've got to be happy with that. Yeah, I really like how they look and how they, uh, you know, how they protect the product, which is the most important part, of course. And do you think you would eventually do any of the other cars like that, or is that it's always going to be just the cabooses? Or? Yeah, I don't think so. I think that'll just be a caboose thing. It's kind of neat. So what has been selling the best? Um, well, the cabooses are the hot thing here at the show for right. Tangent, for sure. But we've sold a lot of freight cars as well. Um, you know, the two, the two things that we do well right now. And everybody, I've talked to a lot of people that are excited about your N-Scale stuff. Yeah, the N-Scale stuff is uh, definitely picking up a bit. It's it, There's a lot of interest at this show and, and most shows in the N-Scale world. And I think the N-Scale world actually has some potential um, as, as a growing market. Um, behind us, there's uh, another company that does just N-Scale intermodal stuff out of Florida. And uh, uh, everybody Jack, really likes it. Terminal? Yeah, everybody likes Jacksonville I know, Terminal. I want to talk to him. Yeah, um, everybody seems to like that. And I'm, you know, I'm watching that foot traffic. It's interesting to watch. So. It's an interesting business, this, this business yeah. is. You we sound have tired. Here. 
I'm very tired. <laughs> you sound like I'm you're very tired. worn out. You know, you know it's, it's hard because I, I don't know if everybody really understands this, but this is something interesting for a podcast. You know, when you, you're, a, you're a vendor like we are where we come to a show and we debut a product that's never been announced before, we're working hard to... Um, you know, get everything ready before the show, like the website, and then you have to pack the car and bring all the models with you and make sure you don't forget things. And, you know, there's just a lot that goes into it. And by the time you drive, you know, 900 miles, yeah. um, you know, and get into the hotel after you've unpacked everything on the floor, you're just like, oh my goodness, I'm exhausted. And then you have to... You still got two days to go. Right. You have two days of train show and, and lots of people to shake hands with and, and talk with, which is great. It's my favorite part of this business is actually interacting with the clients, um, the customers of Tangent, because and even the non-customers, just people that want to come up and talk about trains or the products or whatever, ask questions. And, you know, we have questions, people asking us questions as, as basic as, you know, what, what truck do I put in this, you know, old Tyco freight car you right. know, or what wheels do I put in this to make it operate again? And, you know, we usually send them somewhere else because it's not something sure. that we have that we can serve, but we like to be, you know, we're modelers here, so we know how to fix things. So, you know, because we're near a door, we get a lot of, uh, you know, irregular foot traffic like yeah, that. So, yeah, yeah. But it's the best part of this show is seeing the people. How long have you been coming to this show? Um, our first visit to Springfield, I think it was in 09, and we came on and off for a few years, um, or maybe it was 08, actually, 2008. Um, and the reason we stopped was because at that time, our freight car product line was only covered hoppers western roads right and uh that didn't really play as well with the local market here of course for obvious yeah. reasons and um but with time you know obviously as the product line has diversified um and my interests have changed from you know covered hoppers to tank cars and other things like that you know we you know we've grown the line so yeah and how do you decide what you're going to build next like like how many different cars do you have now uh, we're up to something like in the order of 22 or 23. I've lost count, to be right. honest. It looks like there's a lot more in 22 or 23 here. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's like a lot. There are a lot of different car types here, and we don't have all the car types in stock either. You know, we, we run a car, and, and it sells out, and then we that, you know, allows us to fund a different project, and then we go run, a, you know, that other project until that sells out, and, you know, we have a cycle. So You're really passionate about the hobby. That, like, that's, that shows through. Yeah. When we talk and stuff, and the way you, the way you, I watch you interact. I actually, you know, what I do I, as the podcast has grown. I walk around the show, and I'm carrying my little recorder net, and I actually look at how people interact with their customers, mm -hmm. and those are the ones I want to talk to. Yeah, you know, the people that are like, like, yeah, like, yeah, you can tell. Sure, some of the questions aren't are you know elementary. Yeah, but you're still polite. Sure. And want to talk to people because you're thinking, okay, it's a, it's a mo somebody that's interested in the hobby. Yeah, you never know. Like, I mean, you know, someone that's like just entering the hobby today could be your best customer tomorrow, right? Yeah. So, and honestly, you know, I, I do care about the future of this hobby. You know, even though I produce models at the high end of the hobby because that's where my personal interests are as a as a modeler. Um, you know, I, I recognize and fully will send people to, you know, if we're at train fest, we'll send them over to Accurail if they're looking for, you know, right. kits that they can get. And in this case of this show, we've got so many vendors right around us. I can tell people to go over there yeah. to that booth right there and, and, you know, pick up the Accurail kit right over there. So, right. Um, do, you, do you do any of your cars in undecorated or anything like that? To oh, kit yeah. Form? Yeah. These new cabooses are available as kits. Yeah. Notice how I led you right into that. eh? Yeah. A little bit. eh? <laughs> <laughs> and what possessed you to make, uh, uh, what was it that made you think I'm going to do that? First off. The kits or the chassis caboose? I'm going to get bo to both. First okay. off, why chassis caboose? Okay. 
So the chassis caboose is really simple. Um, when I was growing up in New Jersey, hanging out at a hobby shop way too often, um, my hobby shop carried a ton of BevBell products. And BevBell, for those that don't know, were custom-painted Atherin products, kind of in a mass production setting. So BevBell products were carried heavily by my store because Southern Pacific and UP and Santa Fe didn't play well in New Jersey where I grew up. Um, BevBell made all those East Coast right. lines or railroads that Atherin didn't really touch. So my shop had tons of BevBell, and one of the things I distinctly remember was the Chessie safety cabooses. When they came out from BevBell, they were, they were very popular. And uh, so I wanted to do some kind of Chessie caboose, and the I-18 class is a caboose class that's never been done in brass. Overland never did this class. All right. It's never been done in resin, even though there's several resin caboose manufacturers over the years and presently. And then it's never been done, you know, in any other form. So literally, this is the only way you can get that specific Baltimore and Ohio class, which made it feel like not much of a risk for me from Tangent's perspective to produce this caboose and collide with another brand. Right. Yeah. And then why? How? What was it that tipped you to make uh, uh, have them in undecorated kits? So the undeck kits are pretty simple. We do that with every car that we produce. Right. Uh, we produce undeck kits. Um, for all the freight cars that we do, usually at least in the first run, if not the subsequent runs, uh, just depending on the demand. And then we do ready-to-run um, undecks as well. So, you know, we provide uh, factory-painted um, tank cars that are only black so that oh, okay. you can decal them. And we offer, like, our, our Conrail and Penn Central box cars. we offer those as Conrail color or um, Penn Central green with no lettering as well as RTR undecks that oh, people neat. can just quickly decal. Um, That's a cool idea. So, yeah, like, uh, and you know, how does that sell? Uh, well, they sell kind of, you know, they sell okay, not yeah. great, but um, you know, we produce enough that we think that we kind of hit, you know, hit that little demographic that we want to hit there. So. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question and see if I can get it out right. Sure. Um, so they sell okay, and it seems to me like the more you grow, the more you're 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 satisfied if a car just sells okay. You know, it doesn't. It seems to me like you're not trying to hit a home run every single time. You're trying, but, <laughs> you know, like you're happy with a, an infield double. Yeah, an infield double. Well, I'll take an infield double, I guess, any day. But, you know, I think I think the way I would say it is, um, you know, we try really hard to hit little pieces of the market that aren't being hit. Yeah. There's many years of models, you know, from when I was a kid, there was, you know, model power and AHM and Athern and train miniature and all that kind of thing. And you know, all those different brands that produced at different levels, even then of quality, different levels of quality then. And I think, you know, for us, it's what can we produce that's at a certain quality level um, at a certain, um, you know, that's going to hit a certain demographic that we're kind of shooting for. And, um, you know, we pick models that way. And, and you know what? It's, it's a gamble. Every time. Yeah. Every time. I mean, this caboose oh, is, yeah. probably, is the biggest gamble we've ever taken. We didn't know if a Chessie caboose would be, you know, a good sell or not. We really didn't know. As we were, at, we're ta- as we as he says that, somebody else reaches in and grabs a box and yeah, or takes a look and yeah. How many products, different road so, numbers? Yeah. Um, we have thirteen different SKUs right now of Chessie cabooses uh, available today. So wow. Uh, there's six different paint schemes with uh, 13 possible SKUs. So. Holy macro! And they're selling for? Yeah, we do. Uh, oh, the the price is 89.95 <laughs> uh, for the painted ones. The painted ones are fully lit. Um, wow. Yeah, and they have different lighting packages in them. So we've done 
pile style lanterns that are typical of 60s and 70s uh, cabooses on the Chessie. And then uh, starting in about 1979, 1980, um, they have the red blinky light, the FRA blinky light that's typical of those cabooses. Right. So... Um, is it a blinky light or a strobe light? Well, it's an FRA. <laughs> it's the FRA flasher is what it is. That's the yes. name for yeah, it. So the, the FRA actually required them, required a flashing uh, device at that point. But so. it sounds cuter if you say blinky. We do call it <laughs> blinky light. We, we actually call it blinky light. You know, it's our kind of internal words for it. And that's unfortunately seeped into my vernacular so that I actually say that well, sometimes. Oddly but. enough, I think in the early 60s, there was a shortstop for the New York Mets, Blinky yeah. Light. <laughs> was he there? was a one-time gold glover. Are you serious? No. Okay. You're a funny guy. And I might be a little gullible there. Yeah, so yeah. Because you're white. I just, you I are just, so tired. I am a little bit tired. <laughs> a little bit tired, you know? You are like what? Well, you know, when you're at a show and you're a vendor, you know, customers come up and some of them are happy and some of them aren't. And, you know, <laughs> the ones that aren't usually make you work really hard. So, you know, yeah, you kind of get a little tired, you yeah. know? You but, are like, you're like almost like, come on. You're like you're grabbing the rope and holding on. Yeah. 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 If I can go out, cut me, Mick. Cut me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're, I always enjoy talking to you. This is great. This is great. I love to see how well you're doing, and it's cool. We have now seen three cabooses being sold while we stand here, sit here. Yeah. Yeah, there's some people and, buying still on a Sunday. It's and great. there's a guy wearing a tangent hat. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Another guy. <laughs> some another guy, guy here. He's looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you go because you're pooped. No, no, no. Yeah, I have yeah. I have room for lots more questions. <laughs> okay, but the uh, the one thing I've heard about the end scale is people are really satisfied with it, even though it takes a larger radius. And also, I've heard people very excitedly talking about you explain how you can make it work on a on a on a tighter radius. It works on a larger yeah. radius. It's built for a larger radius, fifteen inch, I think yep. minimum. Yeah, fifteen and, or sixteen, seventeen, and. Yeah, and now, but you're explaining to people. That's how to, only if you keep all the details, on right? It, and, so. and you're explaining to people how to make it. And I've heard uh, some end scalers that are very excited about the fact that you are that we ventured in end scale. <laughs> ventured in end scale, but how how it's not okay. So it's a 15 inch radius curve. I think you don't realize this is going to sound rude. As this comes out, I'm sure this in Lionel ease. This is going to sound rude. Okay. But I think you've really grown as a as a as a retailer and a car manufacturer. That the more you do this, the seem it seems like the more compelled you are to make it as good as product as possible and make everybody feel comfortable buying it. Yeah, yeah, that's very much true. I mean, from a lot of the choices that we've made over the years to make sure that the cars operate well. For example, you know, you're not just buying a well detailed car; you're buying a car that's that's beautiful in terms of its, you know, appearance with paint and lettering, but it also operates well, um, you know, and, and that means good wheels. That means real KD couplers. The caboose is actually pretty darn heavy. Um, it's above five ounces. Uh, and the reason there is so that, you know, when you shove on it with your helper set, just like the Chessie system did or the B&O did, right. um, they did not put their caboose behind the helper power. So, you know, that was one of the, my design considerations. Yeah. I was thinking about it, how you would run the darn thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, we even offer semi-scale wheels that go right in that, you know, caboose if you want to have the narrow tread wheels, for example. Okay. To, you know, make it look even a little bit better instead of the normal NMRA spec wheels. So so, so going full circle to my original question, people yep. were very excited about the end scale. 
that you are very sorry. Uh, I went. To, I went to HO. No, there, no, I? I was no. That's okay <laughs> yeah. because you're barely hanging. You're on you. <laughs> cut me, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Because what I've noticed is I'm as I'm sitting around and hearing people talk. They're excited about the fact that okay, the car only goes on a 16-inch radius, but you are very much about okay. This is what you can do to make it work on a tight yeah. radius. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's where we that. were. Right. So yeah, I mean, we designed the car to look awesome and end scale and operate well and have a, cu- a coupler lift. You know, or sorry, a draft gear with the full complement of detail on the side, but an end scale that makes it really hard to do because the end scale couplers are so wide at the back end of them. So yeah, that's required a larger radius. But we've yeah we've taught people how they can trim the car, take some of the detail off of it, so that they can run it on a smaller radius curve. Um, I don't know about T track because that's nine and nine point five. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, but but maybe the next step up from there is not a problem. I know it's not a problem actually, but T track is. I mean, T track works, but they don't roll. You know. No, perfectly. No, T track um, is. Something. But T track is a very small standard, and in R H O, you know, I say R, but you know, the people behind Tangent R H O guys, and you know, when as we've learned about N scale, like the whole T track um, movement was something we'd heard about, but didn't fully understand until you know, really going and visiting T-Track layouts. And we've now done that at several train shows, so we understand what that is, you know, okay. especially like Kansas City. The T-Track setup there at the Kansas City National Train Show was incredible. I don't know if yeah. you remember it, but yeah. it was really a large setup, and it was it was neat. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. All right. That's it. You're almost 20 minutes, and you're falling over, so that's it. You're done, buddy. Okay. Well, whatever you need, man. Whatever All you need. Right. I'm well, here to help. we're going to do a full-length interview. Yeah. We're going to get organized. So the way I work that is... You know, we'll talk for like five minutes, and on that night, we'll then we choose the date, and then we go from there. Okay, we can do that. We can do that. Now that we've had uh, this big train show behind us, we can talk about you yeah, know that just sort everything of thing. and anything. Yeah, because uh, people need to I, people need to know about your enthusiasm. I see you got a bunch of boxes you haven't even opened yet. Uh, no, those are just uh, they're all open and just, sold. Yeah, no, those are open. Those are that's our feeding <laughs> stock. So, so how many cars like, would you have brought with you? Um, I don't know. We bring a couple hundred, you know. Yeah. We don't bring a lot of inventory. Sure, it looks like a lot. It, it, you know, it's a lot of boxes, but you know, it's it, we want people to be happy. You know, there's a lot of people that don't always have access to uh, a local store, for instance. So they come to these shows and they want to see stuff. So. Our final question. Yep. Because I started this podcast, had no idea it was going to turn into what it turned into. Yeah. I think this hobby's growing like crazy. Yeah, you um, you say that a lot, and I've heard you say it a lot, and I think that it's growing in the right ways. I can't remember how I answered this last time. But you said it was changing. I think it was changing. And I and I do agree that it's changing the intensity of the modelers that are into specific things is what um, is what I'm seeing. So I'm seeing yeah. a lot of people that are, you know, very tied to what they want to get, the yeah. stuff that they want to get. The days of having a train of chessy stuff and, you know, a train of Santa Fe stuff maybe are are lessening and now there's people that are really honed in on well I'm trying to stick to the 60s 70s chassis yeah, yeah. you know like specific or sorry 60s 70s B&O for example B&O chassis yeah. transition um, so you know people really pick something and they stick to it at least a little bit in their buying habits more so than I think they used to I've seen that change even with Tangent over the past 12 years I was talking to somebody earlier today and I thought the phrase that he coined was really good is there's a lot of unexpected change Sure. Where people are trying to guess what's happening, and I still, and I'm sticking to this whole the internet thing is, is making everybody turning this community into a much larger community, and yeah. it's that whole thing of 
unexpected. Nobody really knows where we're going next. Well, I think the internet helps that. And I think the internet helps people become experts at what they want to be an expert at, which then helps to fuel what they want to be purchasing or what they want to be seeing from a manufacturer. You know, I mean, this show and a lot of the shows, it's weird, but it's weird to say this, but there, you know, there's a certain small demographic of 20 and 30 year olds that, that like, you know, really early freight cars, which is, you know, kind of fascinating. Yeah. You know, I saw a kid, I saw a young 20 something year old yesterday walk by with a Broadway limited steam engine. Yeah. You know, and I thought to myself, that's cool. And it wasn't, you know, what you would expect, like, you know, the Milwaukee 261 or, you know, something like that, like an excursion engine that still exists. It was a revenue service. I don't remember what it was. It was a revenue service, you know, steam engine that was historically, you know, a past steam engine, not a present one that someone's going to put in an excursion train or something. Yeah. All right. Now, now we're done. You're done. Nope. I'm sorry. We're You're good. Done. Okay. You're done. Well, we'll save the rest for the next one then. Exactly. All right. Say goodbye, David. Say goodbye. I'm saying goodbye, David. I'm yeah. saying goodbye, Lionel. <laughs> it's good to see you. And uh, thanks to the Modeler's Life listeners out there. We'll yes. talk to you soon. All right. Knuckle, guests of a Modeler's Life podcast, stay at the Casa del Sol, Motocorton Inn, where late night dancing at the Rumba Room is a magical event to be experienced. It's another Lincoln Homer.